Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Today's topic is quite fascinating. They all are. 500 shows, 12 years doing this. Each and every week. Wait till, wait till I tell you about next week. Next week is going to involve Anthony Bourdain eating an In-N-Out burger. What does that have to do with shaping a surfboard? Wait till I tell you what next week's show is going to be about and why that is actually relatable. I just love finding the topic. Usually it's based on who the guest is going to be. And then just building the show around that topic. So when I watched, like all of us, at the Super Bowl and saw Odell Beckham Jr., who's going to be back better than ever. He's going to be great. Because we can do magical things now. What used to be career-ending injuries, we can fix them beautifully. But when you have a football stadium, you've got two choices. You can either have natural grass like they do in Arizona where they grow it in the parking lot. And on gigantic train wheels, they roll the whole football field from the parking lot into the stadium on game day because it's an enclosed stadium with air conditioning because it's in the middle of the desert. But when you have artificial turf, the maintenance is easier. It looks that green color gorgeous on TV. But it saves time, and time is money. It has good advantages and bad consequences. And Fred Dreyer at 815 is going to teach us a little bit about, from a player's perspective, what it was like for him to deal with artificial turf. But it made me think all week. Where do you see artificial turf in art, in sports, in surgery, the worlds that I love? Well, in sports, in addition to the artificiality of the grass being made from something synthetic and not something you water that grows in the sunlight, there's nothing more artificial than creating a machine to throw a football for the player to practice. This way you don't have to have a quarterback in your garage who can throw you 10 balls, 20 balls, but they're not going to throw you hundreds. And if you're a wide receiver, you've got to practice every single possible throw from a right-handed quarterback, a left-handed quarterback. And you've got to put in the time. So there's a machine created in 1974 for football players called the Jugs Machine. Listen to Chris Carter, the Hall of Famer, talk about why he's in the Hall of Fame practicing his one-handed catches because of this machine. Since about midway through my career, I've always owned the Jugs Machine. I always had one in my garage because you might not have... And Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Brett Favre sitting around. But if you got that jugs machine, you can get some work in. I've always been addicted to jugs machine. 
Like, it was a bad day if I only caught 100 balls on the jugs machine. I didn't think there was a tool that helped me concentrate and catch the ball better. And when I got into the one-handed catching and starting to practice that, that just took my game to a whole nother level. Hmm. So when you see my Hall of Fame clip, you see a one-handed grab in there, You'll see that because of the routine that I had on a daily basis. You'll watch me grab one right below the goalpost. That's because the drills that we did when we shot the ball higher in the red zone and we were able to get to that exact height there, the toe tap on the sideline, the back of the end zone. The judge machine, it made me do that better. You're because of the sheer numbers of balls you can throw, I love when Chris Carter says this that my brain takes pictures, so I've seen all of these throws. It's not going to happen with a human being throwing them to you. Brain takes pictures, so you see the ball coming like a flash. Within the jugs machine, I was able to... I was able to cover all the spots that I could physically get a ball thrown to me. Once I got into the game, there wasn't a blind spot that I have. I've seen that ball. I've caught that ball hundreds and hundreds of times. Mm. It's become such a part of training in the game now this is Butch that the these players are getting creative. They're trying to figure out every awkward position they can be in in a game situation and still catch the ball. Some of the stunts that you see some of the players doing just for fun to challenge themselves we would have never even dreamed of. I've seen Odell Beckham get like 10 yards away from the machine, and then with every pass, he'll creep in a yard, creep in a yard, creep in a yard, and he's just, and it's astounding to have reflexes and the strength in hands to do what he can do. Exactly, and it all started because a Little League baseball player's dad said, I can make a better machine. John Paulson made it for his, his son, Butch Paulson, in 1971. And the rest is history. There's artificial turf in a different way, in a machine that throws footballs. What about in the world of art? Well, in the world of art, in 1978, Julia Child, the greatest chef of all time, goes on a talk show, Dick Cavett, and introduces for the first time a food processor. You no longer need a mocajete or a knife to cut up your vegetables, to make salsa, to make pie dough. You don't have to use those hands. You can do it faster. And that's the key to artificial. What that word basically means is time. You save time, and time is money. But time also is precious to a mom with a husband and kids who's the audience for Julia Child to make that housewife, this was her, you know, mindset, easier. Everybody wants dinner right away and you don't have time because you're getting busier and busier in life. So she decides to go on this show and introduce artificial turf in the art world, essentially, in the food business. Listen to Julia Child teach this Dick Cavett. By the way, this looks dangerous, is it? Uh... <laughs> well, that's a good chopping machine. But what I thought we'd do first was a little bit of, of the slicing technique. Because when I first came back from France some years ago, when, I, when I'd done my studying there, I did everything by hand, you know. And I can do I can pretty fast on 
Oh, no. Don't try that, boys and girls. Uh, uh, I mean, this is well, I've spent a lot of time practicing. Are these it. your original fingers? How do you... <laughs> Keyword time. Listen to her talk about time all the time because that's ultimately what artificial turf is all about. Time and time equals money. But see, if you haven't spent a lot of time, it takes you have to, it takes a little while to spend. Well, that's doing very well. But I'm not coming as close as you do. Yeah, well, but anyway, it takes a long time by hand if you have a whole lot of things to slice. I now usually here, find that the sewing method is the... But if you, had, if you had 12 of these to cut up, it would take quite a long while. Yeah. N'est-ce Absolutely so, more. <laughs> you have one of these machines. This is what I think is marvelous. You just put it in there. But that's the devil's work. That's modern yeah. gadgetry. I know. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. It really is amazing. You just can't believe it. There are people who would frown on that and say... uh, Well, I should say... Probably some even who can pretend they can taste the difference. I would say foo on them. (laughs) (laughs) But isn't that that something? That's marvelous. Now, now supposing you have... Can you get it out of there, though? (laughs) Here's the greatest chef telling you foo on them. She ends up calling these people, you'll hear, food snobs. No! I'm interested in helping the woman who's got to make dinner for her family and giving her some precious time. You rock pretty fast, but even so, if you have a recipe, like we have one in our, in our new show and in our book called mm-hmm. It's a Buffet Dinner for 19, and it's, you'd, never, you'd never achieve it if you had to do it all by hand. So it's all most it's done in the food processor. And now look at how fast You're gonna put a you real- can do these. You're cheating by cutting them. You first. have you have to cut them a little bit first, uh-huh. but not very much. Look at that. This one has a little pulse on it. Oh, you're not stopping and starting it. No. It's doing that itself. Let's see, see how you're doing. But look at how you could. I mean, you could chop in about ten seconds. You could um, ten uh-huh. seconds a piece. Now they're, they're all chopped for you. And but the important thing I think about the machine is that it makes it possible to do. Really, what were considered old cuisine or really fancy dishes, mm-hmm. just in seconds. Seconds, time. But are there great cooks or chefs, if you'll allow the word, who, who just say, uh, this is not, this is too no, much I don't know. Too- you know. All the chefs that I know, anything that you can do fast and well, they will do. I think it's uh-huh. just the, it's the people who are kind of the weekend cooks and somewhat food snobs mm-hmm. who, or the people who, you know, there are people who cook for therapy. Ah, yes, and And so so the longer the job takes, the more therapy they get. And also the feeling that you're getting this psychic reaction. She knows who her audience is, and here she's going to tell you why she's interested in saving you time. If you're you're the home cook and you've got to get the meals out every single day on time, the faster you can do it, the better. And and I don't know any real real chef that... uh, that just doesn't welcome any kind of a fast machine. That's one reason in all the fancy restaurants you're finding all kinds of mousses, because you can, not mousses with antlers on, but the kind of mousse that you eat. Yes, in fact, <laughs> You know, I... in a dish. The secret is, who is your audience? Why are you making something artificial? Who's it for? In the world of football, it's for the TV audience. That grass better look green. Low maintenance saves us time and therefore money. If you're a wide receiver, throw me that ball hundreds of times. I don't have an Aaron Rodgers in the garage. 
Get that machine. Saves time. Creates time that's impossible otherwise. Julia Child knew her audience, and nobody was going to get in the way. That's why she felt this artificial turf, this food processor, was perfect for her audience. Listen to this amazing story of Jacques Pepin, a French chef, going to be on her show when he now realizes he may not be dealing with the same audience that Julia Child is looking. He's looking at who's the sponsor, who's paying for this. Julia Child could care less. She only cares about one person. That woman, in her mind, watching, who's got a family to feed and making her life easier. Uh, we had sponsor, of course, like Lano Lake, uh, butter. So uh, she would put a whole stick of butter. I put one tablespoon. Say, more butter. I say, Julia, it's too much. She used more butter than I, I, even one that, that I've seen. So one time there is the president of Lando Lake who come to see one of the show. We taped it at uh, Juliet House in, uh, in Boston. So uh, Jeff Drummond, the president, said, what are you going to do? I said, Jeff, we, we're doing a, I'm doing a dough to start with to do a big apple, apple tart, you know, apple galette in the oven. The president of Lando Lake's butter comes to visit the show. He's all excited. We're going to show off now making these pastry doughs with butter, his butter. I'm going to use the rest of that dough to do a chicken pot pie. We had uh, chicken leftover to show whatever. And then Julia said, I want to do my own dough, which often happened like five minutes before we start. We are, I said, great, terrific, fine. So uh, and then we started the, the show. I did a dough, but I rolled the dough. She helped me cut the apple, put it in the, the oven. And I said, now Julia is going to do her own dough. He said, yes, Jacques is going to do it. I said, okay, fine. Well, she's about to use artificial butter. She's using an artificial machine, a food processor, because these are faster for her audience. She don't care the president of Lando Lakes is there. She never lost sight of who her audience was. Listen to this. And she said, I want you to do it in a, in a food processor. I said, that's a good idea. Fine. So I said, two, table, two, two cup of flour with a dash of salt, dash of sugar. So how much butter you want? She said, I want Crisco. I said, what? We don't have Crisco. The president of Lando Lake is there. He said, we have Crisco. She has Crisco underneath. I can't... We did half butter, half Crisco. It's the only time in the whole series we use Crisco. Because the president of Lando Lake was there. <laughs> exactly. Artificial turf in art, in music, in sports, in surgery. Go have a robot do your surgery. Gig is into egg. You want, you want Michelangelo doing your surgery to feel the ligaments, to feel the balance, to make the cuts in the marble perfect, the cuts in the stone perfect. We'll get into it with my guest. I cannot wait to talk to him, the great Fred Dreyer about artificial turf and his feelings about it. You don't want to miss this. Coming up next on the Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Auto Parts. 
What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I'm still quelling. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. I'm so excited. My favorite guest, the great Fred Dreyer from the Rams, from Hunter, the greatest TV show. Fred, thanks so much for getting up early to be with us. Hey, listen, Dr. Clapp, we're always, as you know, in our conversations, we have so much fun talking about different types <laughs> of stuff. It's great to be up here this early talking about, uh, you know, when you... When you played Julia Child, the first thing I thought about was Dan Aykroyd on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> right, when the bleeding going all over you must, oh, man. you must save the liver. About, <laughs> oh, she was pumping so much blood, it was amazing. <laughs> Listen, did you ever meet Julia Child? Never did, no. Wow, that's amazing. I think that's the only one I've ever asked you that if you've never met, you didn't meet her. Wow. <laughs> So I immediately, I gave myself a bucket list this year. Uh, I decided I was going to schlep my wife who didn't want to go, and we had the greatest time, a bucket list to go to the Super Bowl. And it was one of the greatest days of my life. And in every aspect, Uh the only thing that was negative for me as an orthopedic surgeon and as a Rams fan, as a football fan, was to see the non-contact injury to Odell Beckham Jr. on a knee. He already had an ACL reconstruction that tore it again. And the first thing I thought about was Fred Dreyer, artificial turf. So that's why I'm having you on today to talk about uh, every topic has positive and negative. So I, I started to think about the positives, but teach us from a player's perspective and your very important perspective of artificial turf. Well, first of all, when I was watching the Super Bowl, some friends over here, Bob Stenner, who you know very well, (laughs) we we were laughing it up. And soon as uh, Odell Beckham stubbed his toe, I jumped up. I said, that's it. He's got to go see Dr. Clapper. (laughs) Sure enough, you know, they they wouldn't release, you know, the findings on television because, uh, you know, it's not fair probably to do that. But I thought for a moment. That's government football for you. Yep. Here's a kid who's in the middle of his career on, on world television playing the greatest game in the world. Hmm. He stubs his toe, and the weight shift hmm. went over his left knee, and, 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 and just like you would reach in and cut hmm. a, a, uh, a, a rose off of its uh, stem, hmm. the, the, the weight shift shifted and you could see his knee real quickly making an adjustment trying to uh, uh, to, to uh, account for the weight shift uh, and, and you wound up getting a torn knee mm-hmm. and uh, uh, that's common with our artificial turf so if he if he's playing on regular grass that doesn't happen Wow. So you're the biggest fan of the stadium in Arizona where they grow the grass in the parking lot and then wheel it in uh, the entire field for game day so they can be in an an air-conditioned stadium in the middle of the desert. You're the biggest fan of that. 
Well, I, when when that stadium opened, I flew to Phoenix to see some friends, and we went over to the stadium before the game. I think the, I don't know who they were playing, but uh, uh, it was a, you know it was a, it was an important game because it was a brand new stadium, and they had this roll in roll out turf. And I walked around on it, and I said, "This is such a dream. Wow. This is a, such a beauty. This is a gift to the game of football. Wow. This is everybody should be doing this. Wow. Why aren't they doing that? Well, I'll tell you one of the reasons why is that govern uh, 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 governments, uh, uh, cities, municipalities want to use that stadium over and over and over and over again." Oh. For uh, for high school games, uh, circuses, and what have you, you know, oh, they as soon as the stadium is proposed and it's going to go up, they go great. Get the astroturf guy out here, and we're going to tell him exactly how we want this thing because you know, yeah, yeah, we're going to we're going to have the Philadelphia Eagles play on this on Veterans Stadium, oh. but uh, we're going to play baseball on it too. They're going to play everything on it, and not only is it hmm. terrible, it's like playing on your driveway. You know, I, you know, there's nothing worse than uh, you know the Astrodome and uh, 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 the uh, the stadium in Philadelphia, Veterans Stadium. They were they were horrible places to play. It was concrete, painted green. Is how I looked at it. You know. So, Fred, and, I uh, I spoke yesterday to Bob Stenner in between my surgeries. Um, yeah. about his accountant, Bob Sullivan. Do you know Bob Sullivan, who's a big fan of the show, and I'm giving him a shout-out? So it was great to talk to Bob Stenner. And Bob Stenner mm-hmm. said, make sure you ask Fred about the position of the football player because, believe it or not, some of the players prefer uh, uh, AstroTurf or, or uh, artificial turf. Is that true? Are some players... They like the fact that they can cut on concrete, which has green stuff on top of it, versus a defensive player? Or do all players feel it's terrible? Well, no, not all players feel it's terrible. But all players, as soon as they get injured, hate it. Mm. Because they realize that it's uh, it's bureaucrats. Got it. You know, that's the uh, that's government football. Wow. You know, it's... it's 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 a uh, it's it's not. The, can I play in a in a mud in a mud pile? Sure. Can I play on any surface if they say, okay, this is what we're going to be doing this year? All all fields will be mud. Hmm. You know, sure, we'll make the adjustment. We'll go play. But what's the ramifications of that? Is not only uh, 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 a a a bad game, but it's stupidity because you're endangering. All the players, what, what the players don't understand until they get hurt and they have to now suddenly say, gee, how do I do that? They look back on the films. Oh, Del Beckham was going to look and say, I just stubbed my toe. Mm. How could I be made to pay this price for something so, so harmless as stubbing my toe on the field? That shouldn't cost me my knee. How and about, it did. Fred, when you played, tell us about your experience playing in a stadium what was it like on your back? What was it like on your body to be – just take the, the listeners through what it's like as a player to be on natural turf versus artificial turf. What's underneath the turf? Well, what's underneath the turf is uh, is asphalt. It's like if you were going to uh, 
if you were going to put down uh, a new street in front of a new uh, housing project, hmm. you know, they lay down this concrete, then they put between you and your future, they put about a half inch, three quarter inch pad, hmm. dense pad that they put down that's very spongy and very nice. And they, then they stretch this carpet over it, you know, and then they, then they look, it looks like your grandmother's parlor. You know, <laughs> you can walk in there, you know, you can walk in and say, gee, what a great uh, facility this is. It's going to be wonderful until it rains, until that rain becomes uh, uh, frozen. And that pad they put on there, that wonderful little pad they say is so wonderful, becomes hardened and it loses its uh, 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 it loses its ability to protect you and it loses its ability uh, as it was intended is to make it so called make it better what's the reason that you would play on artificial surface surface is because you've got the city of Philadelphia or you've got some other group of people or individual that decided we're going to save money on the gardener you know, and we're and we're and we're and we're going to be able to say not only after this game is over with, but we're going to roll in this Barnum and Bailey Circus, and we're going to have a nice deal here this weekend, and we're going to have a, a big truck jump, mm-hmm. and we need to have we can't have regular grass on that. So what what the city with the what the uh, St. Louis Cardinals or the Arizona Cardinals did. Is uh, they decided we want to we want to have this we 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 can do it because we're here in the desert. We just open up the barn door, open up those doors in the back, and and roll this thing out. Mm-hmm. I went over and I saw this thing, uh, like I said, mm-hmm. and uh, it was it was it was incredible that we could do this. It's mm-hmm. incredible that somebody would say, you know, this is what I'm going to do. And, and and it's like a tray of cookies that you're putting in and out of the oven, you know. It's it slides in yep. and you shut the door and then you do what you do. You open the door and just slide the damn thing out again. Give it some water, sunlight, and get ready for another game. So, Fred, today's topic is about that. It's about when artificial comes into the world. Uh, I'm using the metaphor of the food processor, not crushing and slicing things. Um, with Dick Cavett saying maybe people can say they taste the difference, and Julia Child says, no, this just saves the housewife lots of time. That's the benefit outweighs that, and it doesn't taste any different. The whole idea of time is money is really why we as human beings make things synthetic, make things artificial. So in your other hat that you wear beyond sports, because you know the business of making television shows better than anybody else, Give me an example of where something synthetic, something artificial came to the world of television that you embraced or didn't embrace that reminds you of artificial turf. Well, you know, they call those innovations. (laughs) And and everybody's supposed to welcome innovations. Mm -hmm. You know, everything everything they say – has to get better. Mm-hmm. We've got to make a, a, a better TV show, a better movie. We've got to make a better motorcycle. We've got everything has to improve and advance. Mm-hmm. And it's all about the distributor and the, and the uh, people that own things, the producers making money. Mm-hmm. You know, if they, if you can show them shortcuts or, uh, or improve upon something, 
uh, wonderful. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's uh, that's that, that's what it's all about. You know, mm-hmm. you, and you include more people. Sometimes, you know, uh, in the case of football, you know, you you lose people, like the gardener. Mm-hmm. You know, you lose people. Right. Uh, uh, you lose people that uh, that aren't uh, directly involved in production. So, so uh, you know, in, in, in the television business, you know, you've got all kinds of uh, you got all kinds of things. That that are budgetarily geared to make a better show, so you make more money. Well, using and, the computer, uh, for example, like CGI, uh, that that eliminates a lot of people that used to work on the show because now you have the computer graphic, right? Well, yes, but you're gonna you're gonna have that anyway. You got to be able to cut the film, and you got to be able to put it together, and mm-hmm. and, and the process is the same no matter what mm-hmm. but uh you have to make sure that uh that the things that you're trying to do uh isn't done just to uh to be uh indifferent or or it, is it done to be uh a uh uh you know a a, a better film mm-hmm. it's to it's to help production and save money and move things along at, at a at a better uh, a better clip, you know, and so uh, uh, making movies and editing and uh, putting things together and and act as special effects, all of these things aren't aren't so much to save money, but they're there to make a better better product. So you're this is what I love about it. So if you boil it down. Innovation, which is making something artificial, obviously has tremendous benefits, but it doesn't always have tremendous benefits. And in a case like this, it's an innovation, but it is actually to the detriment of certain people, like the people playing the sport. It may be better for the television audience and better for the owners who own the stadium, but it's not better for the players, and that was not taken into account, in your opinion. Not only was it not taken into account, they've accelerated it after they found out how bad it was for football players. Mm. I you know, uh, I went, to, I was with the Giants from '69 to '71, uh, mm. and I went up to see Wellington Mara at the Ten Columbus Circle in New York City, mm. and we were sitting there talking about different stuff, the Giants and how wonderful uh, you know it's going to be to uh, you know to to uh, to win a football game, you know. <laughs> And uh, so I'm sitting there, and on his desk is a cell phone-sized piece of AstroTurf. Oh. And I looked at it, and I said, what do you got here, Well, And he said, well, this is going to be our new uh, – this is, is going to be our, uh, our, our new field in, in our stadium in New Jersey. Hmm. And I said, you're going to put that down under God's eye. Wow. You're going to put that down on the ground and have guys like me that you pay for to play on that? He says, yeah, it's going to be wonderful. I said, <laughs> not for me, it's not. Wow. He said, I said, I'm not playing on that. We've got, we play 14 games. They, they played 14 games then. We, they play 14 games, seven home, seven away. I'm going to, I'm going to not play on AstroTurf seven times when I when I at home when I don't play on this. Wow. I started looking at my schedule 
when they would mail them out and see how many AstroTurf games I had out of 14. Wow. And it, it was staggering. I said, you know, I'll never make it. And, and, I, and I, I was very honest about it. It's one of the reasons I left the Giants and came out to the Rams. You know, the Rams played in the Coliseum, a beautiful field they had out there. Wow. And, and, and there was, and, and they were, had SC, UCLA. They had all kinds of, they had all kinds of events. They had Mickey Thompson's truck jump. <laughs> Hell, I played on that, you know. I mean, I, I, it was wonderful. But uh, I, I told Wellington, I said, if you put that in there, I'm, I'm not going to play on it. Wow. And, and I realized I got a problem now. I've, I've been trying to make a living and, 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 as a young man trying to take advantage of my window in life and I got to play on that. And, and so, uh, you know, when, when, when we went to play in, uh, in Philadelphia, Philadelphia, I think at the university of Pennsylvania, mm. I think was, uh, one, one of the first fields in pro football that had AstroTurf on it. Mm. And, uh, and everything started to explode, explode. Everybody, the word got out, oh, it's got such great traction. Yeah, it does. You know, artificial surfaces are have an artificial traction until you don't have traction. Mm. And then that traction becomes so sticky. It becomes so dangerous wow. you know, to the player. I've never played on it. I remember running out on the field for the first time in my life. And they're asking me to play on this surface, yeah. and I, I, I said I'll never make it. I said I'm done. I, I, you know, this is this is going to be the death of me and everybody else. And there was people there, there's a big 300 pound tackle saying, No, no, this is going to be great. I'm so quick, I can move laterally. I said, Yeah, until you get hit. You know, you're not the only one playing out here. Wow. You know, until you get hit, until you unweight yourself. When we learned about, here's what we learned. We learned how to get hurt. That's we learn to anticipate injury. We, I, I had to not change my the way I dressed. I had to wrap my arms up over my elbows. And believe me, when you got a rug burn, you talk about you know, uh, you know, when you're in your in your uh, in your parents' uh, living room, you know, and you got your girlfriend over there, and you got a rug burn, but you got you've got a uh, you've got a. We're a, listening a, to, uh, by the way, the great Fred Dreyer. The Rams' greatest player of all time, teaching us about artificial turf. Go ahead, Fred Dreyer. So anyway, you when you scuff your elbows and your knees, those are the two critical points. Those injuries will last you the rest of the year. And, and we didn't know how to treat the injury. Should we let it dry and scab up? Oh, no, you don't want to do that because when you knock that thing off, you will howl like the wind. Wow. This, this is terrible. And so what do we do? We, we, we found out you had to put cortisporin on the burn. Ugh. And those burns were about a quarter inch deep. Believe me, they, those were some burns. And, and, and those things could only heal, we found out, if you put cortisporin on it and then covered it kept it covered so it healed from the inside out. Never let it scab up. That was the trick we learned. And how, how happy we all were is that we figured, we, we figured it out. I played in, in, in the irony of life. It's just so beautiful. I played at, at the MetLife Stadium there in, 
in New York when we played the Giants, when I, after I left the Giants, and I told Wellington, I'm not playing on this crap. I'm not doing it. Hmm. And uh, if I have to play on it, I'm going to play on it as little as I possibly can throughout my career, or I'm just going to hopscotch around and, and demand trades to get away from it. Wow. At least I can get I can get rid of half of this schedule if 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 if, uh, if, if I'm if I'm lucky. So I play in Yankee Stadium, and before the end of the first quarter, I lost both toenails. Yeah. You know how that is. There was so much, uh, Dr. Clapper, there was so much traction on the field. And when you got going, and if you stubbed your toe, like Odell did in the Super Bowl, Mm. and he had to pay for it with a a knee job, well, I stubbed both of my toes in the first quarter. And and, and my, my, you know, you, you have to tape your shoes on. So, therefore, the only thing that moves is your foot inside the shoe. And, man, when you're running and you want to make a stop, your toes slam into the inside of your shoes. And and if you don't have your toenails cut short, short, you're going to lose them. Wow. And I lost both of them that day in New York's uh, MetLife Stadium. Fred, can you hang on for a second? I'm going to pay some bills, and then I just got to – I mean, I could talk to you for hours, and people can listen to you for hours. You're just amazing. Can you hang on a second, and we'll come right back? You betcha. Okay, the great Fred Dreyer teaching us what it's like, not not someone else's opinion, his opinion of what it's like to have played on artificial turf all those years. Wow. Coming up next, we'll get into it. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. We're so blessed to be able to talk to the great Fred Dreyer. Fred, we're, we loaded up on the commercials so that I can go to the end of the hour with you because I really want to talk to you about the idea of artificial turf, but in many aspects of life. And one of them is the artificial retirement of Tom Brady. Because he came back. He went home and realized the kids are going, Dad, I'm busy. You know, leave me alone. Like He's coming back thinking he's going to be taking care of everybody. But what he realized is he could still play football. What do you think went through Tom Brady's head that caused him to come back? Well, he, you know, he heard his wife yelling at him down the hall. <laughs> Were you amazed? Were you shocked? No, not shocked. No, not at all. You know, the guy's healthy. He's fantastic. Uh, he's the greatest of all time, as they say, and I, I, I think he certainly is up to up till now. And uh, and and you know, it, it, it's uh, he's coming back. And when he when he when he comes back, he opens himself up to another season of potential injury, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. It could be anything. You know how funny it is. You know it's like, uh, you know it's like uh, the Godfather. You know, gee, I, just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. You know mm-hmm. that deal. Mm-hmm. And and so now he's uh, he's got to gear back up again. Got to readjust. He's got to now. Okay, I'm I'm coming back. I'm going to lock myself in. And uh, you know the funniest things happen in life. You know on the way to uh, on on the way to uh, a, a glorious football career. You know. Uh, you know, most people would say, "Gee, you played 20 years, Tom. Isn't that enough?" I mean, you know, you could you mm-hmm. could slip and fall, and uh, 
uh, uh, going to practice. You could do a lot of things in in in, in a football game and get injured, and and, and it would be terrible. And uh, and he said, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, I understand that. That's true. I, it's it's definitely a factor. But he's playing because he feels he has to. It's in him. Right. It's in him to play. My mother used to say, Fred. My mother used to say. It, Robbie, in life, say yes to everything. Don't worry. The world will tell you no enough. You don't want to artificially say no. You Believe me. Like you say, he'll have an injury. You won't be able to play. But if you're healthy now and you can play, why would you artificially end the career, no matter what your age is? The same thing for me as a surgeon. Everybody looks at me. When are you going to retire? How? Uh, never. I mean, I'll retire when I can't hold a scalpel anymore, when I can't be a surgeon. But I'm not going to do it prematurely. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, no, he loves it. Loves his teammates. And I'm, I'll guarantee you he uh, he hates the AstroTurf. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and he's going to get another dose of it uh, when he comes back, but that's all a part of it. He's probably taking that into account. He's, he's remained remarkably healthy over the years. You know? Fred, take I mean, us through... <laughs> Take us through Matt Stafford. What it, the eyes don't see, what the mind doesn't know. What do Fred Dreyer's eyes see when you watch Matthew Stafford that we don't necessarily see? He probably thanks his blessing that he got out of Detroit every time he walks out on the field. <laughs> really? You know, you're, you're, you know, you're. He, he's on. He's now on artificial surface at home eight times. A year, and he was in Detroit, and he was, and he was. Uh, uh, they had astroturf. He can't get away from it, you know. But, I'm, <laughs> but he, he he escaped in many ways, but yet he didn't. Yeah, you know. But I mean, in terms of his talents as a quarterback, did you have any doubt he was going to come through and win the Super Bowl? I mean, I I was watching there on the eight yard line. If it wasn't for those refs calling those penalties, I'm not so sure. But you know what? He and Cooper Cup have some kind of relationship. And many people, me included, felt, I don't care what the score is, he's going to pull it out. What is it that he does that's special to you as a quarterback? Uh, you know, all of them are are, uh, are are really good ones, are, are brilliant in their vision. Mm. You know, how how peripherally... Uh, that game is played as a quarterback. Mm. You know, it, it's one thing to focus in short, medium distances and deep for receivers and throwing the ball. It's another thing to 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 be able to uh, use yourself peripherally. And uh, I, I I was always amazed at quarterbacks. I was always asking, how could what are you looking at? And I asked Fran Tarkington. He was a teammate of mine in the Giants, wow. you know. And and and, and the, I I said, you know, this is a he's different than anybody else. You know, at the time we were playing. Mm. And, uh, and what are you looking at? And, and and he said, I'm I'm picking up things. I'm waiting. A clock in my head says to when I should turn and and because mm. I know what the pass patterns are. I know where my guys are gonna be, hmm. and uh, uh, and and I think it's just been refined. The, the one interesting thing today about it is it's it's such a passing game. Hmm. I mean, you know, suddenly, you know, uh, what happened to Ezekiel over here in right. Dallas? You right. know, right. he just he was a, 
he was d- dominating the game, you know, three, four years ago. And and now, you know, they're probably going to release him for an eighth-round draft choice or something. Mm. How about you your know? side of the ball, Aaron Donald? People think he should have even gotten the MVP for the Super Bowl. What does he do on defense that you feel is worthy of that praise? Well, he he forces offenses to account for him on every play. Hmm. You know, I was told that, uh, and, and, and this was interesting, a, a perspective, quarterbacks in the National Football League, you know, told me that, that uh, you know, linebackers, middle linebackers, safeties, and, and cornerbacks, you know, you can get away from them. You can throw away from them. You don't have to account for them every play. Hmm. Defensive linemen are contrary to that. Hmm. You've got to account for these guys. And if they're mobile like he is and they're fast like, he, like uh, Aaron Donald is, you've got to account for him every single play. Every one of your plays in your playbook now is defined by Aaron Donald. That's amazing. So, wow. so, uh, so if you ask Matthew Stafford, you know, about the Aaron Donalds of life, and you ask uh, Tom Brady about the Aaron Donalds of life, that's their greatest fear because it's the most immediate. Hmm. You know, they're, 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 they're taking the ball from a shotgun or they're under center, either one. They've got a certain amount of time to get that ball out. And uh, the best way to deal with Aaron Donald is to get him running side to side, mm-hmm. not up the field, not north and south. Mm-hmm. Have him go east and west, you know, and have him ha- uh, neutralize him and uh, slow him down. That's probably the best thing you can do. And plus, the other thing is you got to block him with two people. Well, Aaron Donald may be great, and he is, and we're so glad he's coming back. But still, I don't care who comes. My favorite Rams football player of all time is Fred Dreyer. It's you. And thanks so much, Fred, for making time to be with us this morning. God bless you. And we appreciate all the insight. Always great to be with you. All right, young man. Talk to you soon. Can't wait. All right, Warriors. That's the great Fred Dreyer. Let's talk a little bit about next week. Before I do, though, I'm so excited because I learned this week that a research project that I've been involved with un- at the La Brea Tar Pits, trying to understand the hip damage in the saber-toothed tiger, is going to actually be an exhibit at the La Brea Tar Pit this summer. It's going to be awesome. Using 3D models, I rebuilt the pelvis of these 20,000-year-old cats, tigers, and learned something that the paleontologists did not appreciate before, that in these three pelvises, I show that these animals were born with a bad hip. Why is that significant? Because by me showing that, by doing CAT scans and making a 3D model, it means that these animals were limping their whole life. They didn't just get these injuries. They had a bad hip in these three cases their whole life. Well, if that's the case, how did they live to be adults? It means that the other animals in the pack were feeding them. Up until now, they thought that they hunted like a mountain lion as a lone hunter. But because of what I did, they now 
unequivocally can say they hunted in packs like a lion in Africa. And it's a big deal for certainly for the paleontologists and certainly for the museum. So I'll let you know as we get closer to the summer. But I already saw drawings of what the exhibit's going to look like. And it's really just what a treat to be able to bring the world of orthopedic surgery to the world of paleontology here in Los Angeles to marry Cedar sinai my hospital, and the radiology department with the La Brea Tar Pits and the Natural History Museum. Just awesome. It's why we each and every Saturday combine the world of art, the world of sports, the world of surgery, and great things happen. And speaking to that, I got to tell you where the mocajete became a food processor and created the greatest salsa. So here it is. It's called Casa Sanchez Salsa Roja, the hot one. And where do you get it? At Gelson's. You can get all the chips you want. Uh, you can argue which is the best chips that my mouth is watering already. To dip this, to dip into this Casa Sanchez salsa. But let me tell you, you know what my favorite is? Fritos makes a new shape. It's called a scoop. You can get a Fritos corn chip scoop. And you dip it into that freshly opened Casa Sanchez salsa. I don't care how they make this stuff, whether they use a mocajete or they use the food processor. It's the best salsa I've ever had, and I will go through a whole container of it. So that's our food item related to to artificial turf for today's show. Next week, my guest comes from Santa Barbara. He's been in the business of shaping surfboards for decades. His name is Wayne Rich. I cannot wait. I've already spoken to him on the phone. I've met him a couple of times. I didn't even realize it. But this man is an artist, an artist in shaping surfboards. And how he puts it together is just as an artist. So I'm already thinking, where are these features of building, customizing each and every board? These things really make a difference. And there's a surf shaper from Hawaii, the North Shore, named Eric Arakawa, where he talks about the, the religious, biblical aspects of making a surfboard. It's high philosophy. It's awesome. And I can't wait to have Wayne Rich hear what Eric Arakawa says, because that's what it sounds like when Wayne Rich talks about surfing, uh, shaping a surfboard. And wait till you hear in the world of art, Anthony Bourdain, one of the greatest chefs since Julia Child, may he rest in peace, the two of them, talk about when he visits Los Angeles, which has, he says, the greatest restaurants. When the plane lands at LAX, he immediately goes to the In-N-Out Burger. And when he leaves Los Angeles, he goes to the In-N-Out Burger and then gets on the plane, he says, because of all the restaurants in L.A. To Anthony Bourdain, In-N-Out Burger is the greatest restaurant in Los Angeles. But wait till you hear him analyze the double-double. It's pure poetry as only Anthony Bourdain can do it. But the point is how you build the cheeseburger, how Anthony Bourdain describes it. So until next week, I'll leave you with Volari. Until next week, I'll see you on the radio.